0: What does the funeral party for capitalism look mm. like? How do we have some fun with this as well and not make it so serious? Yes, it's serious. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's sad. But oh my God, it's going to feel so good when we're freed of some of these things.
1: This is Leaving Well, where we unearth and explore the realities of leaving a job, role, project, or title with intention and purpose, and when possible, joy. I'm Naomi Hadaway, your host. I will bring you experiences and lessons learned about necessary endings in the workplace with nuanced takes from guests on topics such as grief, confidence, leadership, and career development. Braided Throughout will be solo episodes sharing my best practices and Leaving Well framework. Expect to be inspired, challenged, and reminded that you too can embed and embody the art and practice of Leaving Well as you seek to leave your imprint in this world. Louise is based in London and is constantly exploring what it means to live change. She's a loyal friend, partner, mother, and curious human who loves adventure. Louise plays multiple roles in different parts of the change ecosystem and sees herself as a change maker, facilitator, systems change designer, coach, and my favorite, a process doula. In her current 10-year cycle, she's wanting to make a contribution to reframing the culture and practices around how we view and value loss, grief, death, and closures as part of the natural cycles of life and the overlooked parts of transformation. Louise currently has a role at 30 Percy Foundation, is seeding the decelerator, as well as being a freelance pollinator and connector between spaces around governance, endings, and the wider funding ecosystem. Louise is also an aspiring and reluctant writer. Louise, I'm so glad to have you on this episode, and I would love for you to start by telling us a little bit about your own transition and change story. Thank you, and thanks for having me here. I've
0: been admiring a lot of your work from afar, so it's great to have this conversation as someone else that is kind of really talking about this topic that is lesser spoken, but starting to be more... Um, it's always hard to know where to start these stories because they're constantly changing themselves and sort of in in retrospect and over years you want to shift and change your own narratives. But the one I'm kind of talking about right now is about uh yeah, this sort of 10-year cycles that I that, that I'm in, which everyone says, where did that come from? And I, I don't totally know, but I had an intuition about it was about three and a half years, two and a half years ago now, that that I was closing a chapter of my life. Um, and thinking back, it was a, about a 10-year cycle. And at that point in time, I was, I'd been in a role for 13 and a bit years. Um, I'd recently become a mother, so lots was kind of shifting in my personal life. And I just felt like I was entering a different phase, I know I have a tendency to get excited and swept away by new things and I didn't want that to happen. Um and I really felt like this this next cycle I wanted to be rooted in all that I had learned before in the kind of previous 10 years and also kind of kind of rooted and have a have a depth that sometimes when you get carried away with the new shiny thing you kind of forget where that's come from. So I, so I took a bit of time and did uh, a whole lot of reflection, actually, on what were these seemingly disparate projects and experiments and bits of work that I'd been doing? Like, what really connected those things? And I was actually pleasantly surprised that some of those themes and threads weren't far from the surface. They just needed a bit of kind of uh, attention and space to, to unearth them, really. And I, I did this mostly for myself. I took a a small month sabbatical away from the work I was doing at that time and actually stepping out of the pattern that I'd been used to was really, really important in terms of uh, feeling like I could orientate and have perspective in what came next. At the end of that month, I did decide that I did need to leave the role that I'd been in and that that was huge because being in a place – a very formative place uh, for thirteen years is a really long time that was the majority of my professional career at that point and it had been an amazing place that I learned and grow grew and sort of became who I am now uh, and It was a hard place to leave because it was really wonderful, but I knew it was the right time to go as well so I kind of did that and i, I and I'd had this sense that when you 're doing change work. Yeah, you love the thrill of the new, the honeymoon period when things are easy and things get hard and things get difficult towards the end. And but you sort of drop off a cliff and you just walk onto the next one and then start again. And this sort of funny trauma cycle of like starting, investing in relationships, it gets hard and then you can't carry on and then repeat and then repeat and then repeat was kind of like, surely something else is going on here that actually means we should maybe pay attention to that kind of last bit because that's where all the kind of goodness sits and comes. And we're actually, we're missing out a whole lot of learning by ignoring the end part. So I kind of, I I closed my last 10 year cycle by really designing a really good ending from that role to a point where it, it felt good. I felt like I'd said everything I needed to do. It felt like my birthday when I left. And so the next cycle started. And yes, it was sort of a start and end, but, but we think about these things as binary, but they're actually a process. So the end of my last cycle was the beginning of my next. I think that's where a lot of the writing came in, because a lot of that time really consolidating some of the threads and themes that had been consistent for me came out in the form of writing for myself as you said at the beginning I'm a reluctant writer but I literally felt like it was pouring out of me and I kind of couldn't stop it almost. I turned them into imperfect blogs and the sort of lovely surprise has been that that writing has become a bit of a beacon for the very thing and, and the type of work and the type of people that I would never could have dreamed of meeting had I just kept it to myself. So I did it for me but it's been a really wonderful surprise that actually some of those words and reflections have really resonated and have kind of led to a whole bunch of interactions and experiences like this one in some ways that wouldn't have been possible anyway. And I'm kind of being really upfront about this is who I am and this is what I'm looking at as part of that. Anyway, that was quite a lot. There's probably bits
1: to dig into and it doesn't always make sense either. (laughs) Well, but that's, I think the beauty of it is that it doesn't make sense always and it isn't linear and I love that you were talking about kind of the s curve almost of yeah. beginnings and endings, and I love and I'm so thankful that you didn't keep it to yourself, your writing and your thoughts and reflections because I think in the imperfect is when we can all resonate uh and pick up what you're signaling of of what you're what you've learned. Are there any other words or themes that kind of rose out of your reflection time that you would use to describe what you've learned? I can't coming back to this and having
0: conversations with it but I think that reflection time was really about sort of distilling and another friend has been talking about like bundling and weaving and these moments where you just want to gather things together and and see what that means now harvesting I best guess would be another I feel like there's lots of different metaphors for what that phase is but what I've realized is that We almost don't legitimize that phase or that moment or that process, so it it can feel torturous at worst. But actually, the it should be really great because there's a lot of richness that I think comes from those moments. And maybe there's a bit of fear that comes with it as well. It's sort of distilling the essence of you and working out what's really important to you and where you want to put your time and to really. Confront and admit that to yourself means you almost can't hide from it anymore, and you kind of have to enact and take the step to really lean into that. And if that looks very different from what you've done before, then I guess that's quite challenging for all that that really means. It's almost easier to deny ourselves these moments.
1: Well, and, and I talk a lot with folks around making the decision and having decision confidence. And it feels sometimes easier when someone else has decided for you, when you're the one deciding and also have to come face to face with you, who you are or where you've been, where you need to go. That can be scary.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I and I and I think when we're taking these decisions, there are multiple there's never there's multiple different narratives at play. And it is yeah, absolutely it's easier to blame someone else to think it's their fault why this has happened, or they've taken the decision and to not feel agency, but actually it is you have to step into your vulnerability when you're making a choice and having that decision confidence and if you 're not sure <laughs> and it feels completely counter to what 's around you its yeah it's a very vulnerable place to be in actually it 's quite exposing in a in a world where you can hide behind lots of things. Yeah. And, and, you know, both roots and things are true because all of these factors make up why you choose or feel like you have had to shift and move away from something. But definitely when you feel like you have agency over those decisions, it really changes how you feel about it. And you can get ahead. You can get ahead of it before the decision is made for you or taken for you.
1: Would you talk a little bit about what you've discovered and how you're translating that into your current body of work? You know, I Mm -hmm. I think about how you and I connected Mm -hmm. around the concept of leaving well and the decelerator and all of those things. So I'd love just to hear from you a little bit about what you're up to and how some of the things that you've learned from your own transition have informed or seeded what you're up to right now. You know, really my commitment to
0: yeah, what are the cultures and practices around all of this work? It means I'm I'm playing this out on so many different levels, and the very personal to the groups and organisations that I'm part of, to uh, sort of wider fields. And there, in particular, I think it is about having visibility of talking about these things, making it okay being okay to ask the question and giving people permission and legitimacy that this space and these explorations are valid and not just valid but absolutely necessary for the work that we're talking about you know I kind of I've worked with hundreds of people over the years who were looking for radical transformation for system change we can't do any of that if we don't face into what is going away when you're creating anything new something else is going to be displaced or fall away as well listen big narrative work at play there which makes it also sound really abstract and it it doesn't have to be it can just be as simple as you know any group or uh community asking the question of are we the right people now to be doing this but it's amazing how confronting that question can be and then I think uh yeah with the work of the decelerator and what stewarding loss was doing before was really kind of accompanying Uh, groups of people through closures and looking at how you can intentionally design those uh, with with the purpose often still still needing something or some form of organizing it just might not be that group of people giving people the confidence to not see it as a failure which so often is assumed but to actually take the learning, not be as traumatized by these experiences and then take them on to the next things. Because while while these realities aren't met, we're just holding them with us and we're taking them to the next place we're being. So, yeah, just, just showing that you can design these things with care and intention, even when they're really difficult. I'm wanting to really open up the stories, the practices, the materials. Like there's a very – it's quite a creative field at the moment because – there are people starting to, it feels like people starting to kind of come out of the woodwork and talk about their experiences, both good and bad, to share the materials and resources. So, yeah, feeling, feeling like um, there's a role in some of the work I can play in really seeding and catalyzing and, and yeah, spreading them a bit further. And I, and I can see slowly, not because of me, I think because of lots of these people doing things, people are starting to pick stuff up. And there's much, there's there's a bit more talk about these things now. And there are more events happening. Like it's, something is shifting. Um, Maybe not at the scale that we need it to be yet. But I feel quite confident that more and more people are taking this seriously and putting the care and intention into it.
1: Well, and I think that it it may not be at the scale that we want, but that's how all great movements start, is by one person looking at another and saying, I can do that. And so I think you brought up confidence. And I think your question about, are we the right people now to be doing this work? Are we still the right people to be doing this work? That is confronting. And I wonder if you have seen, you know, is is there a certain level of expertise or a certain level of role or title that that question's harder for? It sounds like maybe it would be a founder's question that might be confronting, but I wonder if you've seen it you know, at frontline levels or at um, more community-based levels as well, having that same push and pull around the question.
0: Yeah, I think definitely the sort of founder, CEO, significant leadership positions, it's, it is, it can be really difficult, particularly when, you know, so much of your time and energy, but also your identity is wrapped up into these causes or issues. And, you know, your very existence is sort of tied to whether this thing works or not. So I think it's, really difficult there but I'm you know I'm seeing people design great succession plans and to design in you know over the long term things and to to call in support sooner but I think you know, it was with an organization recently that that wound down and for those that were doing project-based work in some ways the decision was out of their control and they were angry and accepting and kind of understood, but it became really difficult when they had to tell the people that they were working directly with because they weren't playing a really unique role in the system. And there was a sort of double, double hit of being told the news, but then having to tell other people and then dealing with their responses that became really difficult actually, because it, you know, the work they were doing was really valuable and it was still having impact. It just wasn't able to work in that, kind of current context so yeah I think it I think it affects everyone often in different
1: ways so this question you weren't prepared for but I'm curious what you would say around the idea that if we if we name something such as a necessary ending or a really powerful positive succession plan if we name something like that in the beginning does it make endings easier if we talk about or name something that it's maybe not forever?
0: That's what I'm trying to test out right now. Yeah. I don't I don't know the answer to that. My my assumption is that, yes, if we name it soon enough and if it's designed in right from the start, then absolutely it will be because the expectation is there. And so with the current role I'm doing, I kind of went in very explicitly and said this is going to be a two-year thing. I, I want to support this group of people, to do what it needs to do and build up the capacities internally so that actually my role isn't needed i'm sort of halfway through that and i don't know if it's gonna work (laughs) or not to be honest (laughs) and already people are like are you sure you're gonna go then and i kind of part of me is like i'm gonna commit to what i said i was gonna do but also things change as well there's been a few foundations uh, who have said they'll be spend out foundations and then they've sort of extended the times and some of it is you you can set a timeline and almost be a bit too fixed and rigid about it and what some of them have done is they actually they've thought about it considered what is needed now and shifted and adjusted their role rather than kind of continue but yeah it's not always straightforward yeah. but I would love to believe it would be that simple but i
1: don't know for sure if that's the case well we'll have to you'll have to keep us posted (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. are you finding uh in the UK or in the work that you're doing in the work that you have done do you think succession planning as we've traditionally known it is out of date should we be looking at a different model or do you think it still has its place
0: I feel like for me succession planning has been absolutely tainted by succession the sh- the series <laughs> which was I mean I loved it and I could talk for hours and a whole other podcast about that uh, but just shows how hard that is and you can have the intention of a great succession plan but of course. Family dynamics, long term relationship dynamics just play out in so many ways that go way beyond the kind of straight governance or organisational. And this is about messy, complex humans and all of the unmet emotional needs and intergenerational stuff. Like it's big. Perhaps we need succession planning that really deals with some of these bigger forces and doesn't pretend they're not there what that tv show showed me but i think we're at a really interesting point point. Um, a colleague of mine who i did some work with a few years ago joy green would talk about how this mid mid this decade mid the 20s is we're at a kind of generational shift of who is in the workplace which is and we can feel the rumblings of that now i think and and with that generational shift Is likely to come a value shift and a whole set of different expectations, which COVID has continued about what what people are willing to do in their lives, what the shape of leadership looks like, and so I'm not sure that 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 leadership and succession planning in the sort of current dominant system is what's going to be what the next generations of people need. We're going to have a bit of a leadership reckoning coming I can see the beginnings of it already actually blow up organizations as a form completely Mm but you bring in inequality racial dynamics into that as well and I think we've just got a pressure cooker that shows our current organizing models are not fit for where we are right now
1: I agree with you and I think I think the reckoning is is starting to happen and I'm glad for it I also am so curious to see what happens as we continue to watch more and more, mostly what I'm paying attention attention to is women leaders, women leaders of countries of large movements of large corporations yeah. choosing to step down and not having it be because retirement has happened or because the length of their tenure has happened. I think seeing that modeled will also help with some of that. Yeah,
0: yeah I think so. And it feels tricky because you know there are lots of very valid reasons why you wouldn't want to step into significant leadership positions right now because of the sacrifice and the challenge and the exposure that you get I think don't make it healthy or desirable to do. I think we're also seeing little signals of like co-leadership becoming more of a of an option particularly in really senior roles and i think that is great because you've signed kind of building in more support at those levels i mean it's crazy that that hasn't been standard i think but i, I you know some of the some of the organizations that we've helped to um close well have actually had co-leadership models that I think has also allowed them to take the perspective and go, no, actually, for for this, this piece of work, for this intention, this is the right thing to do. So it's also, it, I think it helps on lots of levels, but I also think it helps with the ending stuff because it's less on one person and feeling like one person's failure. And you can be not necessarily more objective, but you can be more strategic and ambitious in what you talk about. You know, I'll talk about how, I think the most courageous leadership decision you can make right now is to intentionally close something down.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I love when you're talking about co-leadership. And I almost wonder if that's part of what the new version of succession planning could and should look like is having that shared leadership at the levels of an organization. And it goes back to, again, what you were talking about with the question of, are we the right people still to be doing this work? And maybe that's a shared accountability as well to each other to have the conversations about closing something. Yeah, Um, definitely. This might be an impossible question to answer, Louise, but I'm curious if there's one, one particular powerful process that over the course of the organizations and the people that you've worked with that has risen to the top as something that more people should be doing when thinking about closing or ending or leaving. It's got to be about
0: really taking the time to craft the story and the narrative that feels true and authentic for you or for the organization and not to just adopt or take on projections from other people, but really put the time into designing what that is and what is gonna serve the the people, the mission, the next steps. Uh, and it takes a bit of work. Um but I think really working that through can make a massive difference for the agency that you feel like you have, for the framing and messaging that, that then goes out. And I think, you know, stories stories travel and to to feel like there is I mean you're never going to have complete control of, of stories once they're out but I think it really pays on lots of levels to yeah just just be intentional about that and yeah make it authentic to your personal situation or the organizational context.
1: That makes me think about an expansion a beautiful expansion of like your workplace legacy that you're taking care of and modeling even as you go. uh, Storytelling. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a, a, one of my favorite example that I talk about a lot um, is an organization in South Africa called CDRA. And they, they closed after 30 years just before the pandemic. I think they decided to do that. And um, they touched lots of people in South Africa specifically. And they, they actually ran a, a writing retreat for anyone who felt called to come and share and kind of share their story or experience of what CDRA had meant for them, be that their partners, be that the staff, be that people that had gone to events. So it was it was it had a very wide remit. And they had people, you know, they had founders, they had long term staff, they had more recent staff, they had a whole bunch of people who came to that, really spent a week in lots of different shapes and forms, kind of crafting. And consolidating the practice and and actually a lot of the practice was about the culture and the way of being that these people had kind of taken on and now adopted in lots of different places and contexts and they they did they actually did a year's worth of events after they'd closed which sounded so long and sounded crazy but for that group of people that's what felt really important and i mean that was an event every couple of months over a pandemic year so when everyone was kind of online as well and that's how I got to know them and they just you know they, they spoke a bit of the stories of some of these practice and they you could see they were literally seeding this around the world and it was beautiful and an incredible framing and it gave them lovely closure they really felt like they were gifting a lot of their experience out to other people who felt called cool to it and I just think it's a really great example of putting putting care into the stories and then seeing how they can spread way beyond whatever you could do. And and there was a really interesting, really important piece that I talk about a lot now about how So often when things close, you assume that's the end, but it's not. Often it's about the people and relationships and the relationships that matter will sustain way beyond any one organization or group or or whatever, you know, they really stay with you and and impact
1: your life in lots of different places
0: and they don't go anywhere. The important ones don't go anywhere.
1: Well, I also think in addition to the relationships, think about just the lessons learned with that organization and that year that they took in those, having those events I would imagine that people are going to take and iterate and blossom and continue using in their next steps in their next organizations. And that ripple will probably go on forever.
0: I think so. And I think, when we don 't mark those endings, and when we don 't take the time to consolidate to find the narrative to be really generous in our seeding of where those lessons go, if we, you know we, we lose them we think it, we think it 's easier and it 's almost like we 're too ashamed to to look into that, but I think you 're losing a lot of the richness and the goodness that can can be planted elsewhere as well
1: i I realized as you were talking about that, we recently had a closing ceremony for a community group that I was helping to facilitate. And I said yes to the uh, planning of it because it sounded like a wonderful idea. We brought someone else in to facilitate. And that was such a gift because I was able to learn from the others in ways that I hadn't been paying attention during the work of why we had all gathered together. So to have that closing celebration also kind of let us all take a step back, me included, and realize the huge impact of what we had all done together and what we had all been to each other. And that's yeah. that's powerful.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think you know we some of the most powerful moments we've had in the work in the last year and a half have been those kind of closing ritual, almost ceremonial moments. There was a lovely one um, with the small ch- charities coalition that we supported to close. It was quite messy at different points, but there was this really wonderful, again, online, quite simple event where lots of people that felt touched by it came and I think the staff who by that point were tired and run down and really worn out they just received so much love and appreciation from people that they kind of forgot was there and it it just felt it felt really great to kind of leave with that actually and to be seen and to be witnessed in these transition moments
1: that's beautiful Is there anything that you would like to share in the space of all the work that you're doing and dancing inside of and helping to um, seed and sow out into the world that you'd like to share with the folks that are listening around leaving well and closing things well?
0: There's two things. There's one about, uh, which sort of speaks to narrative stuff. There's something about framing. And I guess I feel in this exploration, really playing with what is the right framing and entry point for some of this work. I kind of started off proper like death, and you're like, that's just too much too scary. And then it sort of went to loss. And that still feels a bit too scary for people. Definitely definitely sort of leaving well is feeling like an easier entry point for people, but still a bit off putting sometimes. And I think there's I I think there's lots of different ins into this, whether it's transition, whether it is thresholds. I, I don't know. I think there's lots of ways of talking about this. And I still don't know what the right well there is no right one there's lots of different ways of talking about it and I think different groups and audiences will respond to different things so I think if if you are in the people that you're working with using one phrase and and it gets blocked down be curious and don't let that put you off and see if there is a different framing and that changes over time so that, that was one thing and I think the other thing that I keep thinking about a lot is about uh I think how we interact with our own identities has a big part to play in this and how we understand ourselves as plural beings with many layers of identity, I think might help us. I guess we're living in a world where often we put our, particularly when you're doing work that you really care about, you can often put your professional identity kind of up front and that becomes everything and then forgetting about the other layers of yourself And I I think if we come into better relationship with those multiple identities and see them as layers and you might take off a director identity and shift to another one, it's still part of you. It hasn't taken something away from you. I guess my my current hunch is that if we get better at those identity transitions and understanding what's there, that's going to help us get better at the many different endings and closures that happen in our lives as well. And I say all of this, and you know, and, and I have intentionally designed those bits of me. And then late last year, I got to the point where, without realizing, I was suddenly moving house and neighborhood. A community group I was part of ended, and I felt really rocked by it. And I was like, "No, but I know this stuff." But it like it it completely knocked me sick. So you can care and be intentional about all these things, and they still take you by surprise. And but that, but I think that I think there was something about multiple identities were coming to a point of change in myself. And I was like, oh, i have done all this work to rewrite my own narrative. I need to do it again. Uh, but I think having done that big intentional ending sort of the year before that then allowed me to do it much quicker. And I think yeah. we can get, it doesn't always have to be fast and fast isn't necessarily good. But the more we do this, I think the easier some of those unexpected ones can become. Yeah.
1: Well, and I, I think that so many people, when I talk with them, they, I love that you said that about the identity piece, because that would probably help someone's reaction to or interaction with the process of something ending naturally. If they're able to shed or put aside or set to the side, say the director identity, the ending might look different and feel different. And I think a lot about caretaking. So I am, um, through menopause, I, we have our Uh, youngest child is a senior in high school. And so she's almost out of the house. And I think a lot about the caretaking identities that so many of us have and how that can, we have normalized that we call it empty nest. We call it all sorts of other things. And there's grief and loss and all the things that you talked about, but we haven't yet overlaid them onto the workplace, which is also where we spend a lot of time caretaking. So I I love (laughs) that you said, Louise, about if something doesn't feel right, or if something doesn't Land right, be curious about a different way of looking at it or a different title or a different name that's really important
0: i I think that interplay of the professional identities and the personal identities and you're right, I hadn't thought about that we there is language and knowing about some of those other ones, and yet we still deny them and don't always have the holding for them as well in. And interestingly, I even denied my own one of those transitions when I was talking about moving house and neighborhood, leaving a community group. It was also felt like I was I was leaving that early motherhood stage and then kind of parenting. There's so many parenting transitions. It's insane and requires so many shifts. And then the capacity that you have for other things is completely different. While while I think we have a bit of language and knowing around that, I think there's still a lot of part of it. Part of me becoming a mother, I realized I was holding quite a lot of grief actually for my independent life that I was still trying to do all those things, but I physically couldn't, but i was I was acting and carrying on as if I could i've kind of tried to release, but it's still there <laughs> like <laughs> um and it's still part of me as well, and I know yeah. you know when my son grows up in theory, I will have more time and space and capacity again, and it doesn't change that choice and decision, but yeah, it kind of gets intertwined and messy it does (laughs) it is messy
1: all of it is so messy is there anything about change transition endings all the things that people might be either shocked or surprised to hear you say or that you really really want people to understand
0: i think there's something about the hardest part in my experience has been taking a decision and sometimes you don't even realize you're taking a decision but the relief when you have taken a decision can be massive and really liberating and, and a release. Um, And I think a lot of time and maybe myself included, we carry around the possibilities and the potentials and the different routes and they weigh heavy on us actually. So maybe that thing you've been putting off is a bit easier because when you have made that decision and you've started to tell people, then you have to follow through. And yeah, the the act of talking to people and and being accountable I think is quite powerful. But yeah, I think that's been my biggest that's been my biggest surprise. And then the piece about endings and beginnings is the same process. You know, there's a sort of when we deny an ending, we're also denying a new beginning. And I've seen that framing really help people go, Oh, okay. And actually again give more permission to something
1: else as well. As you continue working towards not better resources but maybe the normalization and the education around the support for this work. What are you hoping for or walking towards? I think you've covered a little bit of it, but as we kind of close up, I'd love your your summary about what your um, dreams are. My
0: dreams are that talking about this stuff is no longer taboo and just part of the way we do things and it's completely normalized and celebrated and and really enabled. Uh, rather than kind of blocked and walked away from. I really hope that there are more people who are uh, proactively supporting and designing and seeing the kind of creative challenge in this space as well. And I feel really confident that that's going to happen. It's happening um, just at a different scale. My wish is that we can then really apply some of these stuff to democracy and the way countries are run and the economy and these really big things and that we get enough confidence at these levels that we're starting to actually shift it up a gear because you know these these old ways of doing things really have to shift uh so that would be the high dream but that also feels far far off (laughs)
1: But, but it may feel far. But I think when you were talking earlier about uh, seeing a new dawn of leadership happening, Mm. and knowing what we know about beginnings and endings. So there's something has to be at its beginning. And so it might as well be leaving. Well, yeah, totally.
0: I remember doing a session and we were like, what is the funeral party for capitalism Mm. though like how do we have some fun with this as well and not make it so serious yes it's serious yes it's hard yes it's sad but oh my god it's gonna feel so good when we're freed of some of these things I'll send flowers
1: (laughs) yeah great (laughs) (laughs) is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to share or that feels important and relevant oh I think
0: maybe the last thing is just sometimes the thought of these conversations and topics are so much worse than the reality of them actually they're super relatable because this is just part of how life happens it's not a new thing we just sort of forgotten how to work with it and deal with it and talk about it Um, so maybe it's not quite as scary as you think it's going to be
1: I love that Louise thank you thanks for having me To find more information about what Louise is up to these days, we'll have all of those links in the show note. Thanks for being here and part of this conversation. To learn more about leaving well and how you can implement and embed the framework and culture in your own life and workplace, visit NaomiHadaway.com. It's time for each of us to look ourselves in the mirror and finally admit we are playing a powerful role in the system. We can either exist outside of our power or choose to decide, to shift culture and to create transformation. Until next time, I'm your host, Naomi Hadaway, and you've been listening to Leaving Well, a navigation guide for workplace transitions.